This is Kona Bible Church. Thanks for listening. We pray that you will experience God's blessing as you consider Pastor Brian's latest message from his series, Embrace Submission with Wisdom, from the book of 2 Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18 is what we're in. I'm going to read this uh, right now. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. When I think of that, just I'm going to pause and, and preach every once in a while, too. Sometimes I like to change it up like that. When I think of that, I think of Jessica up here earlier, a clay jar. I hope you saw the frailty of, of, of just who she is. Now, that, that woman is an accomplished woman, okay? She is very capable she has done some amazing things. She's mastered so many different instruments. Uh, I mean, she's just a very capable woman. And so I think for her to be able to get up here and to recognize the frailty of who she is in this moment, uh, we got to see the clay jar that we really are. When it all comes down at the end, we are clay jars. And we hold in us this extraordinary power. And, and that power uh, just is able to be effective as we demonstrate our weakness. And so, uh, once again, I just ask that the Lord will be faithful to her in her request, that in her weakness, that the power of God shines through. Now, when you hear that, I hope you see what we are reading here in Scripture. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. It's not us. We are experiencing trouble on every side but are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are knocked down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. For we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal body. As a result, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. But since we have the same spirit of faith as that shown in what has been written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus will also raise us up, with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. For all these things are for your sake, so that the grace that is including more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not despair. But even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Because we are not looking at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen, for what can be seen is, in, is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. All right, we are here in this series. It's a love summons. That we, we, we just want to keep reminding ourselves the creator of the universe has the authority to call you and gather you together and he doesn't do that with just like some, ha, 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 now I get to tell you guys what to do. No, he's doing it in love. He is calling you here in love because he knows that your natural tendencies lead to corruption and death. 
But he wants to pro- proclaim to you good news that overcomes those natural tendencies that lead to corruption and death and bring you That bring you That bring you That bring you You like that, didn't you, Chris? Yeah. I was his youth pastor way back in the day. All right. Uh, yes, that bring us life. That's what he's interested. That's love. When somebody wants you to experience life, that's love. Uh, and so that's what he wants us to do. Now, one of the things that he's doing in 2 Corinthians in particular is he's inviting us to embrace submission with wisdom. That's how you can experience life, by embracing submission. Now, I say that to a crowd who's got corrupted ears, and when they hear that word, that word submission, they're probably thinking, ah, oh, no, I don't want to be a, right? No, 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 think of the uncorrupted version. Think of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is submission happening, willful submission happening in the Godhead, uncorrupted. That's what I want you to think about, uncorrupted submission And then it comes with wisdom. That's an important caveat. Because what Paul is driving at is there are many spiritual authorities that are are out there. And we are supposed to submit to spiritual authorities with wisdom. Not just every spiritual authority, but ones that want and intend for us to experience. Eh, It's okay. It's not great. It's It's not what I dream of. When I dream of you guys responding, I dream something totally different. Oh, gee, we want to submit to authorities that intend to bring us. That's what I dream of. I can hear that through the glass windows. Well done, oh, gee. All right. That's what we want. Okay, so a number of things that we do then when we think about submitting or embracing submission with wisdom. One, we have to evaluate these spiritual authorities. There's a whole number of questions that we can ask uh, in regards to that, and we have been asking those things. But the other thing that we do is we think about this idea, it almost kind of comes, unfolds to this idea of going, oh, a spiritual authority that is, is guiding their life by the ministry of the Spirit, ooh, now that's a spiritual authority I can get behind, right? When we think about doing so, submitting with wisdom, One of the tells should be that these spiritual authorities are guided by the ministry of the Spirit. And two weeks ago, we looked at these four things, uh, thinking about this idea of proclaiming freedom from experience. So that when, when the spiritual authority that you submit to ought to have a story about being set free from bondage. Right? I mean, that, that's just, you have to have that story. How can you proclaim freedom unless you have experienced it firsthand? And Paul's coming back and he's saying, the mercy that I received. Well, of course Paul received mercy, right? He was responsible when he was in bondage to the letter of the law. He was in bondage and he was responsible for the death of Stephen. And God did not just hold that on him and and pronounce ultimate judgment right away. What did he do? He shone the light of the gospel in Paul's heart and Paul experienced mercy. And on the base of that, basis of that experience, then he's coming out and he's going, I want you to experience the same thing that I have experienced, and that is freedom. Freedom from the letter of the law. Oh, now we've got the Spirit. So, ministry of the Spirit, proclaim freedom from experience. When was the last time you thought 
about what you have been set free from. Can you look back in your life and examine a time when you have been in bondage and then you saw the mercy or experienced the mercy of God and you've been set free? Oh, that's time to start proclaiming that. Uh, Encourage despite circumstances. That's a ministry of the Spirit. And you see this in what Paul's saying right here. We're experiencing trouble on every side. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are knocked down. Think of all the stuff that he's got going on. The amount of things that could cause him to look inward. Because that's what happens when we get afflicted and our circumstances are turning negative, we start to look down. And then we start to look, we start to get all bothered and everything. But no, what is, we even saw it in, with Peter, right? When Peter was uh, offered, invited by Jesus to come walk on the water. And Peter's like, well, okay, if that's you, Lord, I'll come. And so he gets out of the, I mean, he was known as Little Faith. Did you know that that was his nickname? Little Faith. Hey, Little Faith, come on out here. That's what Jesus seemed to constantly refer to Peter. Little Faith, if he's got Little Faith, I don't know what I am. Because Peter's like, I'll come. And he gets out of the boat. He steps out of the boat. He starts walking toward Jesus on the water. And then what happens? He sees the wind and he sees the waves. And circumstances draw him to take his eyes off Jesus, look down and inward, and he starts to sink. Right? No, the ministry of the Spirit we, is, happens with this encouragement despite the circumstances. doesn't matter the wind and the waves. And remember, every time I say something physical... We have to take that invitation from Jesus to think about spiritual stuff. So what are the wind and waves that are in your life? As Paul's talking here, what are the trouble? What is, the, what is perplexing you? What is, what is uh, something that's persecuting you or knocking you down? We all have things. Now, we're probably not talking, hopefully, to the level that Peter's ex- or Paul's experiencing these things. But we, we still have things going on in our lives. We still have circumstances that are inviting us to look down when Jesus is inviting us to look up because that's the ministry of the Spirit. And when you submit to a, a spiritual authority, you want to submit to a spiritual authority who's not being impacted by circumstances and looking inwardly, but you want to look at go, oh, despite the circumstances, that, that leader that leader has is, is, is got his head up and looking for Jesus. That's the people we want to follow. Uh, character defined by truth. right? This, this, this recognition where Paul's just going, hey, everything I say, I say in the open. Uh, my life is transparent. I love that, that Jessica got up here and said she didn't hide behind all of her accomplishments. But she got up here and she was vulnerable and transparent and said, look, I need help. That's what we have to be, people who are... Character, our character is defined by truth, and sometimes that means the truth as God sees it, not as we like to lie to ourselves, right? Because we all have this tendency that we, we want to lie to ourselves. No, character defined by truth. Uh, and then concerned about Jesus and others. Today, I want you to uh, think about this. The ministry of the Spirit also embraces the tension between this life and the next one. That's a tough thing. Right? Because in some senses, when we talk about the cross and we talk about the empty tomb, we have this victory that we have already achieved in, in many regards. We can talk about it that way, that we are secure, that our destiny is, is determined. But then there's this little problem of living it out now. 
and experiencing the death and corruption that we experience in this life. And yet somehow not giving into that. So holding this tension of going, wait a minute, there's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life. That's not just, that doesn't just mean sometime in the future, but that he's able to do it here and now. Now, whether he will always choose to do, that's where the tension comes in. So this ministry of the Spirit comes back and it embraces this tension of going, I'm going to walk with it. I'm going to walk knowing that ultimately there's going to be a tombstone one day for me. But I'm also going to walk with the recognition that even the things that lead to that, the corruption and death, can be overcome and I can experience new life. There's tension in that. And to go one direction or the other violates just the idea of the ministry of the Spirit. We have to be able to give Him control in our lives and to embrace this tension. And so uh, when we think of this, well, we'll give a couple of illustrations here as, we, as it unfolds. It sees the effects of death as a means for life. Ooh, now this is good. Now that might sound confusing on the screen, but let's walk that out. Sees the effects of death as a means for life. Now, you know I've been using this illustration of this stained glass window that represents each one of our lives. Each one of us has this beautiful stained glass, and somehow, some way, and I can give you a couple ways that, that it happens. It either happens from our own flesh, from the lies of Satan, or from the pattern of this world, that beautiful stained glass is broken. For each one of us, every one of us had this beautiful stained glass and it was broken. But when we see that brokenness, people of faith come back and say, oh, despite that brokenness, there's something that can be brought back to life. Because God is a redeemer. He's a recreator. He's a resurrector. And he's able to take broken pieces and make something. Oh, this is the key. Are you ready for this? Even more beautiful than the original. That's who God is. He's able to take something even more beautiful. So as we go through our lives and we start to, as Paul is is kind of describing some of this, like he's describing some of his trouble, some of his persecution, And we can kind of relate because we all have circumstances that impact us. As those circumstances start to affect us and we start to see the death start to come around because of those circumstances, people of faith come back and go, oh, I don't like this very much, holding some of the tension, right? Like we don't have to, we don't have to like celebrate horror, right? We know that's not who, what we do. We're not masochists, but what do we do? We take that and we go, oh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. Because God's able to bring life out of these circumstances that seem to be ridden with death. That's who he is. And, and so we see that the ministry of the Spirit, you can apply that to yourself, right, in your own circumstances. But here's what Paul does. This is awesome. He sees it for the benefit of others. He sees his experience of that brokenness And the faithfulness of God to recreate, having the ability to bring life for others. Now, that's kind of Job-esque, right? That's what Job is walking through, and he's going, wait, why is this happening to me? And he's processing all this stuff, and he's going, oh, if this is so that other people can learn about God through my experience, well, then let it be. And that's what Paul's describing here. He's going through all this stuff, 
And yet he's willing to do that, walk through that tension, because he's, he sees that life is coming to other people. Ooh, that's good. When was the last time you thought about that? As you experienced your own circumstances, right? And this is what circumstances do. Whoop, right? Oh my goodness, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Up. No, head up, eyes on Jesus, and what's going to happen? Oh, well, you might be able to experience the life, but other people also are going to be able to watch you and go, well, that's a little uncanny how that person is walking through that because if it were me, I would be, I don't know, at the end of a bottle, right? Think about all the different ways that we medicate ourselves, all the different ways that we handle our circumstances, and when people of faith keep their eyes on Jesus, oh, that strikes other people as odd. And it gives them the opportunity to go, well, wait a minute, maybe my circumstances don't have to end at the bottom of, the, of an empty bottle. No, maybe there's hope for me as well, and, well, that's the ministry of the Spirit right there, right, as it speaks hope. In fact, that's what he says here, I believe, therefore I spoke, right? That's a quote from the Old Testament in Psalms, but Paul is applying it to his circumstances. Well, we believe too, therefore we speak. And so again, here he is. The, the, the circumstances are not causing him to look down. The circumstances are saying, oh, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. And this is part of that ministry of the Spirit. So now he's going to say, I have a testimony. I have a testimony that this brokenness that I'm experiencing is now being made new, something even better and there's hope. I have hope. Because death is not going to be the ultimate winner on this situation. Life is going to be. And as we speak and communicate hope, oh, what does that do for other people? It gets other people who are, think about this, right? Jess, today, she's up there and she's just going, I need some hope. I need some prayer, right? And other people who are sitting there in their circumstances, they're, they probably came in here today in our pews and we're like, ah, duh. And then we see a, a, our sister get up here and she's just like, I need, I need prayer because I can't let these circumstances get me looking inward. I, I've got to be able to have faith and hope that he's going to be able to somehow turn, turn this whole situation around. And we sitting there in the pews, all of a sudden we, we get, we, we start to hear these words go out. We're like, wait a minute, I've got circumstances too like that. Wait, are you saying that there's hope for me? That there's prayer for me as well? You think of what Chris responded with. He comes up and he's like, I've got some circumstances. I got this dream that I've had all along. It's about to unfold and my circumstances are not great. Right? I need prayer. I need hope. Because what are we? We're, we're clay vessels. We're just pottery. But we get up and we speak these things so that through our weakness, the glory and power of the resurrection can be made known to other people so that other people, too, can experience life. And, and why? Oh, this is nice. So that they can be an increasingly thankful group of people in Jesus' name. That more and more people will be able to experience the grace of God because they heard there's this God who's able to overcome all these circumstances and bring life. Well, I want that too. And as they receive the grace of God and start to experience new life themselves, well, they are just like Paul. They knew who they were, and now they come back and they go, oh, thank you, Lord. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. 
I once was deaf, but now I hear. I once was lame, but now I'm running. Because that's who God is. He's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life. And, and when we start to see that, we become increasingly grateful. The thankfulness that, that goes up to God uh, just increases, not just corporately or kind of collectively, but individually. And so as you're evaluating spiritual ministers, right, spiritual authorities, and you're thinking about, okay, who am I going to submit to? I want to do so with wisdom. You want to gravitate towards uh, authorities who have the ministry of the Spirit. And, and one of the tells is being around people who are thankful, thankful for the freedom that they experience, thankful that they have been set free and, and know the grace of God. Now, when we think of that, I, we've been saying this to spiritual authorities, but every week I've encouraged you to, to do what with that? To, it's easy to look at pastors, it's easy to look at council members or elders or uh, teachers, but really what Paul's driving at here is, well, we are all spiritual authorities because we are submit to one another. And so as we submit to one another, we want to do so and gravitate towards people who evidence the ministry of the Spirit. So... That means that people are looking at you, which means you have to do what? Look at yourself, right? You have to, you have to be able to hear this thing and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, am I this type of person? Am I a spiritual authority that demonstrates the ministry of the Spirit in my life? Am I this type of person who people could come to who, who see a person who's got their eyes up and looking at Jesus and not their circumstances, who embraces this tension, right, between already and not yet, this fact that, that, that we can't go too far one direction or the other, that speaks hope and is increasingly thankful in your life. These are the people. Now, can you imagine being around people like this? Can you imagine that? Be pretty nice, right? Wouldn't it be nice if that's what our churches were full of? People like this? The sad thing is that I think we all have experienced, like, like we, can, we think that right there and we go, man, it would be nice if churches were described like that, right? We have the chance. We have the opportunity right here, right now, to be able to become these people, right? This isn't just a message for others, right, authorities. This is a message for us. And so as you kind of go through your week, I want you to begin to think about the circumstance. This is what I want to do. I want to take like three minutes. I want it to take longer. But we're going to take three minutes, and I hope this is just an invitation for you to do some work with God this week, to take even longer amount of time to, to think about your circumstances in life. We all have them. So for some of us, it, it's aging, right? Uh, for some of us, it, it's financial. For some, it's the, the future is murky, for some of us, it's relational tension with somebody, but there's circumstances in every one of our lives. I want you to take a moment and think about those circumstances that are trying to draw you inward. And then I want you to be able to think those things through and then hear the invitation that Jesus has for you. King Jesus, he has for you to go into, out into the water, into the depths He's inviting you to keep your eyes on him. Will you do that for a moment? Just take, take a couple of minutes 
and think about the circumstances that are drawing you inward and give them back to God. Father, uh, will you speak to us right now? Will you make it very clear that there is no wind, there is no waves too powerful for us to, to give into, that we can keep our eyes on you and that we can experience hope and life as a result. The circumstances that are impacting our lives are not happenstances. They're not random. They are malevolent. They seek to, do, to undo you. They are trying to get your eyes off of Jesus. And Jesus is standing there and he's saying, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you accept the invitation that Jesus has for you this morning to keep your eyes on him and, and to, to deal with those circumstances? Let, the, let Jesus deal with those things. They, they're not catching him by surprise. He knows. Allow him to come in and to be your savior anew today, whatever they may be. Father, will you be faithful to our people that as we continue this journey this week, that, that we will see Jesus' hand reaching out to us, that we hear his voice calling to us and that we will look up and get our eyes off of ourselves and become ministers of the spirit, not only receiving the very hope that he has for us, but also then demonstrating that to others that there is indeed a God who is faithful to his people that others, as many as can be, can turn to him as well. Father, we ask these things in your son's name and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.